Hey y'all, welcome back to another edition of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. Great to be back with you guys. And it has been a strange week, uh, kind of a twilight zone week for the Braves as Freddie Freeman returned to Atlanta and all of the weirdness of that. And I'm going to get into that a little bit, all the, the strange news that's come out actually since then as well. Uh, and so we will we'll definitely dive into that a little bit, uh, give you my thoughts. And it's a, definitely a complex uh, and growing situation. So uh, I want to dive into that just a little bit. But also beyond that, we're going to look a little bit into uh, the All-Star game and some Braves that might potentially be starting in that as the first round of voting was concluded yesterday and some news came out about some Braves who might be able to start that game. And then finally, we will dive into uh, what the Braves might be doing uh, over the trade deadline. Of course, we're a full month away from that. Uh, so these are just my kind of early thoughts on the Braves needs and some things that I might consider doing if I was in Alex Anthopoulos' shoes. So uh, that's just kind of fun to to get into uh, and, you know, look at some of the Braves' needs and what they could do to get better. All right, so let's start with Freddie Freeman and his return. Just kind of a do, do a retrospective of this past week, uh, past weekend, and the strangeness that was Freddie Freeman. Of course, it's just generally strange still to see him in a Dodgers uniform. But nonetheless, he returns to Atlanta for the first time over this last weekend and it all got started off with Freddie doing a pregame news conference on Friday and you know I think some people just expected maybe a few tears him getting a little emotional but you know it it being relatively normal um and it was anything but normal as Freddie was overcome with emotion basically the entire news conference I mean he couldn't even he had to step out of uh, the room almost immediately as he was overcome with tears and, you know, it's um, it's kind of strange because that that was just him, you know, setting his eyes on uh, some Braves reporters and he he becomes that that emotional. And so, you know, how how emotional he must be to be back around his old teammates, Snicker, all of his coaches, all the people that, you know, have been so much a part of his life over, you know, 12 plus years in the Atlanta organization but but what came across uh and if you haven't watched that um if you haven't watched that that pregame interview you should news conference what came across is freddie clearly did not want to leave atlanta I, there's no way um you know he he's that emotional that overcome um if he was just like, yeah, it's it's fine. I'll go to the Dodgers. It, no, I, he just clearly did not want to leave, and he hasn't fully come to terms with it, and that was obvious pretty early on. So it was an emotional week for him all week. If you watched um, those games, and particularly the last game of the series, um, you know, the, the ESPN cameras kept zooming in on Freddie, and by the end of that game, I mean, you could tell he was struggling uh, just to stay awake. The guy was exhausted, uh, just emotionally drained. Um, so, you know, this is not Freddie faking it or, you know, just putting on a good show so that he's, you know, so that Atlanta fans forgive him for leaving or that sort of thing. No, this, this was real and it was, it was unique. Uh, a lot of people have said that uh, a lot of, you know, reporters who've been in the game for, for years and years and years have said, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen a player leave a team and return and act this way. Uh, and so it just, 
even when it first happened, right, it, it left me scratching my head as to the whole strangeness of Freddie leaving, um, the Braves not bringing him back, that sort of thing. So uh, this just kind of added to that and uh, leaves you in the moment asking, well, why did he leave? I mean, clearly he wanted to stay, and you certainly would think the Braves would want him to stay. Um, yeah, so so just watching that, you know, you, you can really see Freddie taking in just all of the emotion of what has happened uh, to him, right? Kind of um, processing what he's lost, right? He's lost being um, close to all those people who who he's been close to for years and years, right? The the team, the clubhouse, the Braves are known for having a very tight clubhouse and a great uh, team culture. And he's had to leave all that. Um, and, you know, there were shots of Freddie in the, uh, the LA dugout and no one's around Freddie. No one's talking to him. No one has their their arm around his shoulder. Um, you know, and he's new to the team. So, you know, maybe the closest just isn't there yet. But it just leaves you feeling bad for him because that wasn't the case in Atlanta. Um, and uh, you just feel like he's in the wrong place, that that it comes across that way. Um, and, you know, his, his current teammates are probably feeling really awkward with the whole situation, feeling like they're second fiddle to the Braves that, you know, Freddie isn't really committing, uh, at least emotionally, to being a Dodger, which might be fair. But nonetheless, just very, very weird situation. So soon after this whole, uh, you know, this three-game stretch in Atlanta, uh, it quickly comes out, the news breaks, that Freddie has fired his agent. And um, <laughs> this this gives a little more light, right, to the situation. It was reported that, that Freddie came out uh, after after these games and basically said he sat down with the Braves a little bit more. Uh, he learned from from their point of view what happened in the offseason, and this angered him towards his agent, not feeling like his agent was serving his interests uh, well, and uh, so his agent is fired. And now the specifics of what that means is is cloudy because several, several um, things have come out since then, um, but nonetheless, what is clear is his agent did not serve his interests well, right? Because if Freddie truly is this emotional about not being in Atlanta, he clearly wanted to stay. Um, what's clear to me is Freddie wanted the best deal he could get with the Braves. Not the best deal he could get for 30 other teams, but the best deal he could get with the Braves and stay with the Braves. And that's not what, what happened, right? Uh, it all went down in a way that the Braves felt like they had to move on. They had to go towards Matt Olson just to get a solid replacement for Freddie. And they did it. And um, it's hard to fault the Braves for doing that in the moment. And then it leaves Freddie holding the bag if he has to take the next best deal, but he's not going back with the team that he loves. Uh, Freddie ended up signing a six-year, uh, $162 million deal with the Dodgers. But a lot of that money is deferred. Um, so if you look at, uh, this is through MLB room, trade rumors.com, uh, Freddie's deal, 162 million actually has a, a value, um, a true value of 149 million. They determined that because so much of the money is deferred, it's in future payments. A lot of that value decreases over time. And so what he got is basically six years, 149, what the Braves offered, their final offer was five years, 140. And so you can see that at the very least, there's, there's pretty much no difference 
in those um, in those offers or, or very little. And you could even make the the argument that the five years one forty is the better is the better deal um, because of what he can you know potentially make in a six year moving forward. So he didn't really get a better deal, um, and he really didn't get to be in the place he wanted to be. Um, so at best, um, Freddie and his agent kind of botched the off season. Um, but it gets kind of worse because then another report comes down from Doug Gottlieb. Now I have to say that this is, this report's unverified and Doug Gottlieb, um, is, uh, if you know who Doug Gottlieb is, he's not a, an official MLB reporter. He is a, um, he's a radio host, uh, actually, um, cut his teeth in, in basketball. So I don't know what connections he has to make this report, but he, he put this out on Twitter. Um, that uh, Freddie's agent did not tell Freddie of the Braves' final offer. And of course, if this is true, if the agent withheld an offer from Freddie to get a potentially better deal from somebody else, uh, that is huge, right? That goes, that, that has huge ramifications legally. It has ramifications towards that agency. That agency's name is Excel Sports. Um, so all of these things are are getting really complex, complicated, ugly. There could be legal action from Freddie on this if it's true. If it's not true, there could be legal action from uh, Excel Sports towards Doug Gottlieb. Um, Dansby Swanson is uh, also represented by Excel Sports. Uh, so there could be you know, some future problems between Excel and the Braves uh, in doing business. Um, but it's ugly, right? And and you can understand that Freddie and the Braves really feel like, well, gosh, this wasn't us not being able to get together. We had this bad actor in the middle who wasn't communicating well to either side for whatever reason. Uh, you know, so so in terms of the relationship between the Braves and Freddie, you have to feel like a lot of that has been mended. I think that's important to understand. Um, but you know, if it's true. Um, then you also think about because you know the breakdown the the biggest blame I put on the Braves is that they they didn't shore up Freddie uh, before the offseason right they didn't extend Freddie if this is true about his agent not giving him not communicating the the deal with with Freddie is it possible that that even happened you know over the course of the last season you know because to an agent it actually from a monetary side of things, it actually benefits the agent to get the biggest money deal. And you're not getting the biggest money deal by doing an extension, right? You get Freddie to free agency and you're going to get a bigger deal from somebody else. Um, now I'm not saying that happened, but I'm saying, yeah, I, I could, I could understand, uh, how that could happen, right? Uh, you're not being a very good agent if you're doing that, but I could see it happening. Now, on the other side, to be fair, Casey Close, this is the name of the agent. Casey Close came out totally denying all of this, uh, what Doug Gottlieb reported. He states that the Braves are not being, um, or not telling Freddie the truth about how everything went down. Um, and he's threatening legal action against Doug Gottlieb. So um, a lot of stuff's being thrown out there. I, I think this is a very fluid situation in terms of what we what we learn about, uh, you know, what happened and we'll just have to see, but, um, it's certainly, it's certainly, uh, you know, not done. The story is not over. I've heard a lot of Braves commentators, um, 
and other podcasters talking about uh, that this is kind of the end of things on the Braves end. Um, that, you know, it's really more of a Freddie Freeman, L.A. Dodgers um, issue, you know, Excel Sports. It's going to be on the and, and I think generally that's true, but I, I disagree that it's totally done on the Braves end of things. I mean, clearly Freddie uh, loves Atlanta, um, sees himself as a Brave, clearly distraught that he can't be in Atlanta. And I really, I really don't expect this to be over in terms of the Braves and Freddie. Um, for the rest of his career. Now, I don't know exactly what that looks like, um, but I think from from an Atlanta standpoint, we are interested in, in what happens with Freddie and how it all turns out, um, and I don't think it's totally over uh, from an Atlanta point of view. I think Freddie has been put in a really tough situation, and I hate it for him because I, I think he's one of the, the nicest guys in baseball. Um, I do expect him to totally give his all as a Dodger. I just knowing Freddie Freeman as we as we do from a fan's point of view, uh, that's who he is, and he uh, you know and, and you don't see it affecting him his play. He's having a great season. Um, but anyways, I think his heart is still with the Braves. I think that's very obvious, and I don't think it's going to go away. Now I'm going to give you kind of a a bold prediction here, and I. Admittedly, part of this is where my heart's at, but I do, I'm do. i trying to read the tea leaves of what's going on. This is a very strange situation, and of course, like I said, news could come out and totally change our perspective on what the truth is with this situation. But um, I don't think Freddie is ever going to feel a lot of peace and comfort in L.A. So, number one, I don't foresee Freddie playing out his whole six years in L.A. So then the question is, well, where's he going to go? Um, do I see some, you know, possibility out there that Freddie could return to Atlanta at some point? I do. Do I think it's going to be this year or next? Yeah, probably not. Okay. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen easily or it's going to happen quickly. Um, nor do I even think that Atlanta is going to actively pursue that. Uh, but I think, I think Freddie certainly has to have it in the back of his head of like, if, if an opportunity ever does arise for me to go back, I'm going to go back. I really do think that's true. What I know about Alex Anthopoulos is he's all about value. And if there ever comes to comes a time where he could reacquire Freddie Freeman for good value, I think he'll, he'll do it because he's a guy that um, when he knows a guy, when he knows a player, and the kind of player and leader he is, he will go and target that guy again. Um, and so I, I absolutely think that's possible. I also think because the DH is a thing in the National League now, it makes it far more likely that the Braves, you know, the Braves don't have to um, go against Matt Olson, you know, disrespect Matt Olson or trade Matt Olson to go get Freddie Freeman again one day. Um, so, you know, of course, all of this is, is Freddie still – a good player in two or three years or, you know, whenever it would be all, all of that. But I just foresee, I, I think how it went down is there's no bad feelings between the Braves and Freddie. I, you know, I don't, I don't think that exists. Um, the Braves know uh, that Freddie is always going to be a brave at heart. And I just see if, if the opportunity presents itself, I think one day Freddie will be back as a brave. Maybe it will require him playing out those six years being close to retirement and then just ending his, his career with the Braves. But I think it's going to happen. That's my prediction. 
And in the meantime, I'll continue to root for him personally um, and root against the Dodgers. All right, well, let's move on to uh, the Braves and uh, their season and the, um, some of the current players that have uh, really performed well this year. So this is our All-Star update. Uh, the first round of voting is done for the All-Star game. Basically, what that means is you have a few finalists, uh, two finalists for each position, um, and uh, the, the fan vote will occur uh, to determine which of those players will be starters for the All-Star team. But on top of that, the with this first um, round of voting done, the top uh, vote getters in each league have an automatic bid to be All-Star starters. So those two individuals are Aaron Judge for the American League. He's very deserving. He's having a crazy year over there for the Yankees. And our Ronald Acuna Jr. So Ronald will be starting the uh, the All-Star game in the outfield. It's pretty awesome considering um, he's really only been able to play about half of the season thus far. Clearly, Ronald is a very popular player. I think you're also seeing, uh, beyond his general popularity in the game, uh, Braves fans show up and vote for the All-Star game, uh, particularly coming off a of World Series. So that's really cool to see, and we'll certainly look forward as well. You know, and I'm just hoping that Ronald can be healthy um, and you know have a good time at the All-Star game in L.A. The other guy that's basically a lock to um, participate in the All-Star game, and this one is really cool, is William Contreras. So he and uh, Bryce Harper were the two finalists for the DH position. Harper, of course, is injured with a broken thumb now. So it looks like Contreras is going to uh, have that spot. So really cool for him. And um, very likely he's going to be able to play alongside his brother, who, uh, you know, Wilson Contreras for the Cubs is having an insane year. So Wilson Contreras and Travis Darno are uh, finalists for the catcher's position. Um, as good of a season as Darno is having, I kind of doubt that he's going to be able to beat out Wilson Contreras for that spot. But I would think that Darno would make the all-star team um, as an alternate, or sorry, as a reserve. Dansby Swanson is also a finalist, along with Trey Turner at the shortstop position. Uh, their numbers are, I think, very close together. Uh, I think Swanson, if Braves fans really show up and vote for him, could make it as a starter. And again, I would expect that he would make it regardless, uh, even if he makes it as a reserve. The surprise finalist for the Braves, well, and I still don't know how this happened, uh, is Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall, for all of his struggles this year, somehow made it. Maybe some of it's name recognition. Maybe it's just the Braves fans showing up and loving Duvall and voting for him. Um, I don't expect him to make the All-Star team, uh, but he is a finalist. So, you know, cool for him. Um, the other guy who I think has a shot to make the team as a reserve who didn't make it as a finalist is Austin Riley. Um, he had a good game last night with three hits, despite the Braves struggling. I haven't mentioned that yet. You know, the Braves just lost 14-4 to to the Phillies last night. Uh, Ian Anderson struggling mightily. I'm going to talk about Ian in just a minute. But, um, but Riley had a good game after, you know, he's had kind of, a, he hadn't hit a home run in a while. Uh, just kind of a ho-hum couple of weeks. But, you know, again, I think if Riley um, pops some home runs and has a good stretch here right before the All-Star break, I do s still think he can make it as an alternate. He has good power numbers overall. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see, but I'm certainly hoping, hoping for him that, that that happens. And then, of course, a couple pitchers. Um, uh, Max Freed, I think, is almost a lock. And, um, and Kyle Wright, I think, is very likely uh, to make it as well. All right, well, let's dive now into 
Um, what I think the Braves could potentially do at the trade deadline. And of course, this is a preview and it's maybe it's a too early preview. But, um, you know, as we are just about a month away from the trade deadline, I think it's helpful to at least consider the Braves needs and what they maybe could do uh, to make the team better. I've heard a couple people, a couple commentators say that, you know, the Braves are going to have a hard time making any major moves, maybe a little tweak here, tweak there, the bench or the bullpen. And I don't totally disagree with that take, but I do think that it's a little too inside the box. I mean, you know, is Alex Anthopoulos at least considering some some big moves that could happen? Yeah, I mean, I think as a GM, you're not doing your job unless you're trying to think outside the box a little bit uh, about some some bigger splashes and some ways that you can improve your team, not only this year, but long-term as well. And I know Anthopoulos is always about value, but he's also about this year and beyond. So I want to try to do that. And so the, the needs that I see the Braves, um, you know, needing to to do, uh, needing to address, excuse me, is number one, I think, especially seeing Ian Anderson really struggle uh, lately is I think they do need another starting pitcher. I think it is time to be a little concerned about Ian Anderson, not concerned in, in terms of his long-term status. I think Anderson is still going to be a solid pitcher, but in terms of what he's doing this year and what he's going to do this year, uh, I'm not sure he can be relied upon. Now, that being said, I mean, I, I'm not ignoring the fact that Anderson has been a tremendous postseason pitcher. He's been a huge contributor generally to the Braves. You know, and maybe he goes out there and, and his next three starts are spotless and we just don't even have to worry about it. But I think if he continues to struggle up to the All-Star break, uh, I think you're going to see something be done. Now, what that something is, it might not be a trade. Uh, Kyle Muller is having a great season in AAA. He might be called upon. He has a 2.96 ERA right now, 1.08 whip in 76 innings. So maybe it's as simple as bringing up Kyle Muller and uh, giving Ian Anderson a rest or, or something like that. Uh, but I do want to look at some outside options as well. Um, now, there's three names that I'm going to mention uh, that I'm going to hold off on telling you what I would do yet because I'm going to address that here in a minute. You'll see what I mean by that. Um, but those three pitchers are Kyle Wood, Kyle Hendrick, and Madison Bumgarner. Uh, Kyle Wood, or sorry, Alex Wood, of course, is um, a, um, a former Brave, uh, also a former Dodger. So the Braves fans should be very familiar with Alex Wood. Right now he's with the Giants. Kyle Hendricks and Madison Bumgarner, both, both Wiley veterans. Of course, Bumgarner has tremendous postseason uh, exploits. Um, with the Giants, now with the Diamondbacks. But I'm going to hold off on all three of those guys. I think those three guys are actually very gettable. Um, but I'm going to hold off for a minute. So the other guys that I have, starting pitchers, that the Braves could target. The first is Martin Perez. Uh, he's having a, a career season by far. 2.22 uh, ERA right now. He's only making $4 million on a one-year deal. So very much would be a rental. Um, you could probably get him for one solid prospect. Um, I, on a lot of these deals, I throw out Wasker and Noah, uh, because I think some teams would value him pretty highly, but I think he's kind of run his course with the Braves. So I think you could probably get Martin for Perez for a Wasker and Noah. Um, Jose Quintana is another guy. Uh, he is with the Pirates right now. He's on an even cheaper deal. One year, $2 million deal. 
Uh, he's not having quite as good of a season, 3.43 ERA, but that's pretty still pretty solid. Um, you could get him for like a Darius Vines. If you haven't heard of Vines, he's kind of a lower level pitching prospect. I mean, still could turn into something really good, but not one of the top prospects for the Braves. Uh, Merrill Kelly is with the Diamondbacks. Um, having a, a moderately good season, 3.64 ERA. Uh, he is... Um, the positive for him is the Braves could retain him for a, a few years. So uh, he is signed through this year and two more years. Those those two final years, he'd make $8 million a year. You could get him for a Darius Vines or maybe a Cal Connolly, who's a shortstop prospect for the Braves, uh, but not their top prospect by any means at that position. Um, and then here's, an, here's one. This is an outside-the-box one. because All these other guys you're going to find pretty heavily in, you know, um, trade rumor articles and that sort of thing. Um, the guy that I'm dreaming about is Pablo Lopez. So uh, this guy is with the Marlins, of course. So he's in the division. Uh, would the Marlins even be willing to trade this guy in the first place? I don't know. I, maybe not. Maybe they'd shut that down immediately. Would they be willing to trade him in uh, division? Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> Probably not. But I'm dreaming a little bit here and I'm trying to think outside the box. So could the Braves present the Marlins with a deal that they couldn't refuse, basically. So here's what I would offer. Ian Anderson, Andrew Waters, and maybe more if, if needed. But Ian Anderson and Drew Waters, uh, the Marlins are known to um, be really heavy in the market for a center fielder. Uh, if they really like Drew Waters, this might attract them to this deal. Uh, Ian Anderson, again, um, even though he has his present struggles, you know, he's he's somebody the Marlins could slot into that starting rotation uh, immediately. And, you know, this is not me giving up on Ian Anderson. I just, you know, Pablo Lopez is one of the leaders in all of baseball in ERA. He has a 2.98 ERA. He is controllable for two more years past this season. But, you know, the Marlins are not going to be good for the, for the next two or three years. But Ian Anderson is controllable for like the next five years. So four or five years. So. You know, it gives the Marlins a little more of a window of controllable, good pitcher. Um, and who knows? Maybe maybe they'd bite on that. Um, I'm not saying that's likely, but, man, something like that would be um, a game changer for the Braves and I think uh, would make them even more so a, uh, a playoff team uh, in at least, you know, get them over the hump, kind of move, maybe even get them over the hump into repeating for the World Series. All right, so the Braves also, I think, could use a righty reliever. Uh, a couple of, you know, injuries and things that have happened with uh, the relief core have have let, left them a little thin. Uh, unfortunately, um, Kenley Jansen is struggling with his irregular heartbeat issue again. That's, you know, obviously serious, and hopefully he can get on top of that and the Braves can get him back quickly. Uh, Tyler Matzik is, he has started his, um, his rehab assignment. So hopefully he'll be back soon. And so, you know, those two guys coming back help very obviously that helps. Um, but I still think having one more really good go-to righty reliever would, would lock down the bullpen for the Braves. So there's a ton of relievers out there, but these are three of the better right-handers that I'll just mention. Anthony Bass, again, he also is with the Marlins. Scott Barlow is with the Royals. David Bednar is with the Pirates. Any of these three guys, they would, because they're kind of next level relievers, they would be a little more expensive uh, than just your middle of the road relief guy. But um, 
I think this could bring a lot of value for the Braves. Now, second base. Second base, I think it's also a need, uh, but this one, you know, has an asterisk by it because if the Braves are really confident that Ozzy is going to come back uh, within that 60-day window, you know, he'll be back basically August, September, and, and through the playoffs, then I don't think you really need to go out and get a second baseman. Um, Arcia is doing fine. Uh, his bat has cooled off a lot, um, but he's he's filling filling in fine. So that's why I think, you know, if, if Ozzy's out for the year, if suddenly you find that out, then I think you need an upgrade. If he's not, if he's coming back eventually, then no. I mean, why, why touch that? So that's, I'm thinking if Ozzy ends up being out for the year, these are two guys I think you could target. One is Kevin Biggio. Uh, he is with uh, Toronto Blue Jays. He is, if you know that last name, he is um, Craig Biggio's son, um, lefty um, at bat, um, you know, second baseman by trade. He is arbitration eligible through 2025, so you'd have him for a, a long time. He's Basically, he's just having a down year. He's always been considered a pretty good prospect with some pop, uh, but he's not getting everyday playing time. I think he's probably frustrated uh, where he is in Toronto. Maybe change of scenery could be something, and, and maybe Toronto would be would be ready to um, to make a move there and get a couple prospects for him. So um, he's someone I think the Braves could look at. The only thing with Biggio is okay, you're going to have him long term, but Ozzy's coming back. So what do you do with him after this year? I mean, you know, maybe you convert him to an outfielder or something else, uh, but that's might be a good problem to have. Uh, the other guy. Uh, is Brandon Drury. This is a guy who actually came up with the Braves a long, long time ago. Uh, he's a he's a veteran now. Been in the been in the league a long time. Basically, he's a journeyman kind of utility kind of fill in infielder. But he's gotten a, a chance to play every day with the Reds and has had a career year. And he's really cheap. One year deal, nine hundred thousand dollars. You probably wouldn't have to give up a ton to get him. Um, he could fill in a second if Ozzy did come back. This is a this is a move I think you can make even if Ozzy comes back because um, I just don't think it's going to be very expensive. Uh, it, it gives you another bat off the bench potentially. So I do like the Brandon Jury idea. All right, so the the last move that I would make outside of starting pitcher would be number one thing I would do. You know, reliever, maybe second baseman. Yeah, these these are going to sh- shore up your uh, your roster overall. But the other thing I'm going to do, and I'm going to sound like a broken record because I mentioned this over and over again, is I would trade Marcelo Zuna. <laughs> and, you know, I was all about this in the um, the offseason. I thought it should have happened. And, you know, if Ozuna had come in and been the 2020 version of Marcelo Zuna, maybe I would shut up about it. Um, I mean, at least, even though I don't like him being on the team anyways, at least he would be producing. But he's not producing. You know, he's hitting about 220. Uh, he'll occasionally hit you a home run, but um, he doesn't give you very good at bats, a lot of strikeouts. And man, when for some reason Snicker continues to also play him in left field. And, you know, maybe that's just because um, Acuna's been injured and that sort of thing. But it is so frustrating to watch Marcelo Zuna die for balls, them getting past him and it being like doubles and triples every time. It, it's just bad defense. And he's just not giving you much. And on top of that, you're paying him a, a lot of money. So the trick is, <laughs> what move can you make to get rid of Ozuna? And none of these deals are going to be, you know, really fun to make. Uh, you're not going to get a ton for him. But I wanted to explore some things that might be at least realistic. Uh, the first thing I had to look for are teams that would maybe 
maybe their DH situation is even worse than the Braves. So maybe they would go out and, and go for Ozuna and kind of hope that he does reclaim his 2020, um, you know, abilities. So the first is the Giants. And the Giants are a pretty good team already, but they don't really have a, a set DH uh, in place. So I think they might be interested. Um, so this is where these, these pitchers I mentioned before kind of come in. So uh, I would trade for Alex Wood and offer Ozuna, Shoemake, who is the shortstop at AAA, Wasker and Noah, he shows up again, and I would also need to probably give them about $5 million to make this deal work. Um, again, all of these deals I've crafted are, are um, on the MLB Simulator Trade um, website. And so, you know, I'm trying to be as realistic as possible with these trades. Um, this deal would give you basically, you know, a back-end starter in Alex Wood. He's a lefty. Uh, he hasn't had a very good year. He has about a five ERA, but he's been a much better pitcher than that over his career. Um, it would also allow you to save basically the final year of Ozuna's contract. So just as a reminder, Ozuna is making $16 million um, this year, next year, and the year after. And he also has another year where the Braves would have to buy him out, which I think was is like another $4 million. So there's a lot of money left on Ozuna's contract. So you'd be able to save basically the final year of his contract, maybe plus another 4 to $8 million more if you do the math. So a lot of money saved on the back end there. Um, and you get a usable starter out of Alex Wood. So I, I like this deal. Um, the next one would be with the Brewers. You don't get a whole lot back in this deal, but you do get rid of more of Azuna's money. So it would be, um, you'd be trading for Kane, who is their center fielder. Um, he's kind of in the latter, you know, moments of his career. He's having the worst season he's ever had. Um, but you might be able to use him as a, you know, fourth outfielder or something like that. And then Keston Hira, who is a second baseman. He's not having a good year, but he has some potential. So, you know, maybe you can fill in some second base needs with him. So you could get those two players for Azuna, Shoemake, and Wasker Anoa in $5 million. So it's basically the same deal you're offering the Giants just for some different players. You're not getting quite as much back, I feel like, in this deal. deal. But you save more money, like I said. You save basically the final two years of Azuna's contract is gone. Um, Kane becomes a free agent after this year, so you're not paying him uh, after this year. So... Um, this one, again, is much more about the future than it is about the present. But, you know, the, the thing with Ozuna is, do the Braves need him much moving forward if Rosario comes back and comes back healthy? You know, if you get the Rosario we had last year, then who's going to play more? Rosario. It's kind of a no-brainer. Um, so, anyways, that that's the whole thought process. Um, all right, so the next deal is with the Cubs. So, with this one... You get Kyle Hendricks, the pitcher Kyle Hendricks for Ozuna, Shoemake, and Noah, and Janista. So um, Janista is just another kind of lower-level prospect. Um, you're not giving up a ton more there. You're not having to give up, you know, any more money in this deal. And you basically save the final year of Ozuna's $16 million contract. So Hendricks is signed through two years, kind of a similar contract to Ozuna, but he's a free agent after next year. All right, the final deal, and I mentioned this one before. Um, but Madison Bumgarner uh, for Marcel Ozuna and Wasker and Noah. Now with this deal, because Bumgarner's making so much so much money, is the Diamondbacks would have to send a good bit of money back to the Braves if they wanted to get this deal done. Um, for this, 
I, based off of this website, I have Bumgarner and $23 million coming back to the Braves for Ozuna and in Noah. Um, so again, you know, the Diamondbacks are kind of far off from being really um, relevant. Um, getting rid of this huge contract of Bumgarner might be beneficial to them. They also are kind of offensively challenged, so getting Ozuna might be something they would be interested in. And you still give them a pitcher like in Noah, or you could, instead of a Noah, maybe a Tucker Davidson or somebody like that uh, coming back so they have a little more pitching depth with losing Bumgarner. So those are the ideas of getting rid of Ozuna. Again, I, I feel like the Braves are not gonna, would not feel the loss of Ozuna much at all uh, with Rosario coming back. So I'm, I'm very much, this is not just about this year, though if you could get a, a pitcher like Bumgarner, Alex Wood, or Kyle Hendricks, I think it does potentially benefit you on the back end of your pitching staff. But it's also much more about a long-term uh, clearing off that bad contract and kind of moving forward uh, beyond this year. All right, guys. Well, those are my ideas for the trade deadline moving forward. Obviously, the next three weeks um, leading up to the trade deadline, three or four weeks, are really important as we will see um, how Tyler Matzik comes back, how Eddie Rosario comes back, um, <clears throat> and maybe even, I haven't mentioned him much, but Mike Soroka. And obviously, you know, we can't rely much at all on what Soroka is going to be like, but Maybe that's another piece to maybe the Braves don't have to go out and get another arm. Uh, but uh, I would love that. I love Soroka. I'm pulling for him to be back and be healthy. But we will have to see about that one. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of State of the Braves. And I will talk to you soon.